0: Hi hey everyone, I'm your co-host Rebecca. And I'm your co-host Rach. And welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we're going to be talking
1: about season one, episode 18, The Waterbending Master. Aang, Katara, and Sokka finally reach the North Pole, where they are found and somewhat welcomed by the Northern Water Tribe. Meanwhile, Admiral Zhao prepares for an attack and tries to rid himself of Zuko.
0: This was a really, really good episode.
1: Yes, yes. I feel like, from here on out, it's just like, smooth sailing, soaring upwards, they're all really good episodes.
0: Excellent. No complaints. (laughs) Excellent. I'm looking forward to that very much. Yeah, and we did leave on another cliffhanger again, so I guess we can put our sound effect in at the end. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) But uh, meanwhile, I guess we should talk about what we learned.
1: Yeah, I feel like I keep going first with this, so I'm going to ask you first, what did you learn in this episode?
0: (laughs) Okay, so I learned that I am capable of thinking of many different ways to insult Paku. (laughs) 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 So starting with, in my notes, I said that he may have a stick up his butt, this is when we first meet him. And then later I said that big jerk was an understatement for Paku. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and then later I also uh, recognized Ang's insult for Paku which I thought was perfect which was master poop head <laughs> yeah so that was my lesson this, this episode strap in folks this is going to be a bash Paku
1: episode
0: <laughs> yeah if you are a Pakustan which
1: why I don't think they exist let's be real
0: but you may not like this episode. <laughs> oh boy, what a jerk. The worst, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll talk more about that later, but I just wanted to get that out of the way with up front. What about you? What did you learn?
1: It's a little bit more like on a serious note, but this is the first time around watching this episode that I realized what Yue and Sokka's musical theme was. And I did not pick up on that before, and I think that's going to be really fun to talk
0: about. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice it either, but I'm just watching it for the first time, so (laughs) it's maybe not surprising.
1: Right, and I've seen this like five, six, seven times, so Uh I'm like, oh wow, you learn something new every time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, that's cool. Okay, so should we save that for later? We'll talk about it in more detail? Yeah, I think so. Sounds good. So, I guess I need to guess what is the Iris flip-flop of this episode. My guess for this week is Sokka's uh, bear-slash-fish that he carves (laughs) (laughs) for Yue, which I just laughed so much at that scene, and we can talk about it again (laughs) later. Yeah, that was was my guess.
1: So that doesn't come back specifically, but Sokka's artwork consistently makes an appearance throughout the show, and every time is just more hilarious than the last, I feel like.
0: So a half point. Yes. yes. <laughs>
1: I'll give it to you.
0: Thank I'll you. Give it to you. We do need to tally up the scores before the, <laughs> the end of season two. Making very ugly things probably runs in Sokka and Katara's family. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Based on this, because of, um, I was thinking of Katara's hat that yes. she made yet, so it seems like uh, neither of them are particularly talented, whereas Aang is quite talented at making things <laughs> right, for other people. Right. <laughs> he
1: makes that really adorable necklace. Maybe Aang should just be the one that sticks to the crafty stuff <laughs> in the group.
0: Yeah, they're just not cut out for craft. Sorry Sokka and Katara. You're very good at other things. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of fun to be had in this episode with, um, with Sokka. Yes. So, should we get into it? Sounds good. We are going to talk about the two storylines kind of separately this episode, because they are pretty separate from each other. Yeah. Then we can start with the Fire Nation. We do start with Admiral Zhao, and he is very much in kind of war mode. Yeah. And most of the Fire Nation stuff I felt like was very, sort of, you know, oriented around war. And he gives this description of the Northern Water Tribe, which I thought was really interesting where he talked about how they've managed to resist the Fire Nation for so long.
1: Mm -hmm, Mhm.
0: Mhm. It did make me think of, like, the North in Game of Thrones, because they talk about how, like, they are pretty isolated. And I guess because of the weather that they have um, and just their particular circumstances, they've been able to withstand a great deal. They also, I think, are capable of withstanding things that other nations might not because of their isolation and the fact that like, their terrain is quite difficult to navigate.
1: Right, like they grew up there so they know how to work with those resources where like, the Fire Nation When we get to see the actual Fire Nation, it's very, like, tropical. Right. I can imagine, like, a frozen tundra to them is,
0: like, the worst possible scenario (laughs) for battle. I'm not a historian, and I don't remember that much about the history that I learned when I was in school. But it does make me think a little bit of Napoleon when he tried to invade Prussia. And I know that the army that he had suffered a great deal because they didn't really anticipate how bad Russian winter would be. That was like a big factor in them ending up uh, having to retreat and so I think that that can definitely have an impact, especially if you're not used to it.
1: I'm sure they don't have the right equipment or the right uniforms either for that sort of environment, so. (laughs) Zhao actually grew some brain cells in this (laughs) episode because he's like thinking strategically for once in his life. But all joking aside, I do think it's another good example of like how propaganda shapes things. Like he pretty much said that they could march right into an Earth Kingdom village without any preparation. So it really shows how they've been underestimating these little villages and smaller places and even, like, the people there, but this time they're, like, not gonna make that same mistake.
0: Yeah, at least he's actually thinking about it for once. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I think that the Northern Water Tribe is almost on par with the Fire Nation in terms of architecture and Obviously, they're very wealthy there as well, so they have the money to spend on resources.
0: Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, maybe we can talk about it now. I was kind of curious about that because they are so different to the Southern Water Tribe. And it did make me wonder, like, why? Where do all those resources come from compared to the Southern Water Tribe? Like, why are they so different?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is they have a different setup. It's a monarchal setup, and in the Southern Water Tribe, it's not like that. Like, they have Chief Hakoda, and he's in charge, but they're not like royal blood, you know, Sokka basically says to you, eh, like, you don't like me because I'm like a peasant or something like
0: that, so. Even though earlier on he was like, I'm kind of like a prince. But that was just him trying to impress her. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he is the son of the chief, so if you thought about it that way, then he would be. But yeah, they definitely don't have just all the structures and technology and all that kind of stuff that the Water Tribe in the North seems to have.
1: Yeah, we do get a flashback to when the Southern Water Tribe was kind of thriving and in their prime before the Fire Nation started doing raids. So we'll get to see when they were at their peak and how different it was then. And it was more similar to what the Northern Water Tribe looks like now.
0: So I think,
1: yeah, it's just years and years and years of being invaded by the Fire Nation and having their people taken away, and I was, like, studying the map (laughs) of Avatar and looking, like, geographically it made more sense for the Fire Nation to kind of target the Southern Water Tribe first, because there's not that much in their way.
0: Yeah, so they were just kind of unlucky in a way. Yeah, really unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, so we go from that kind of serious scene to a very light-hearted scene, almost, which is we finally get to see Music Night!
1: Yay, Music Night, finally! (laughs) I feel like it's been really hyped up, like, Ira just keeps talking about it, like, when's Music Night?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, when it was first happening, I didn't even think about it, like, oh, this is Music Night, I just kind of thought, oh, Ira's singing! But yeah, it was fun to see him singing. He has a good voice. Yes, yes, I adore his his sweet voice. <laughs> and he sings this song that made me feel... Maybe because I w- was already thinking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> but it made me feel like the name of the song should be The Seasons of My Love, because that is a song <laughs> in, yeah. uh, in Game of Thrones. It's very similar. It is a love song, too, so... Yeah, and it's about... Falling in love in every season, so.
1: Yes, and that is what becomes UA and Sokka's theme song, so. Aww. Yeah, if you listen in the background, now that you know.
0: (laughs) That's super sweet. I wonder how that kind of relates to their relationship. I guess I don't know yet. Uh, I know a little bit about what's going to happen to their relationship, but I don't know everything. (laughs) So I wonder if you think that it... Without spoiling it if you think that it relates at all to their relationship.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we'll probably need to save that for two episodes from now, but Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing to like keep in the back of your mind just when you're listening to the music during those scenes.
0: Mm-hmm. I will. I will do that. <laughs> and Zuko doesn't join in music night. No. And he won't play the Sungi horn. <laughs>
1: Which I just think is so funny because that's his theme song, you know, is the Sungi horn.
0: <laughs> I read that in your notes and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That was a nice little in joke that they did then. Yes, yes. <laughs> so maybe one day, you know, when he's achieved self actualization, <laughs> he will play the Sungi horn.
1: <laughs> like, that implies that he knows how to play it, so. Mm hmm. Yeah, because he's like, For the last time, I'm not playing the Sungi horn.
0: I know how to do it, I just won't do it.
1: We will get to see an episode where they go to a Fire Nation school, and they do teach them music there, so...
0: Nice. Unfortunately, he's interrupted not by Iroh wanting him to play the Sungi horn, but uh, it's actually Zhao who's boarded their ship. Yeah yeah
1: he's come to take zuko's crew
0: bye
1: (laughs) it's so petty
0: (laughs) it really is although i will say that given everything that zuko's crew has been through i'm not that surprised that they were just like okay
1: (laughs) well they probably felt really threatened by that too so yeah i mean he is an admiral now so he kind of does what he wants Right, like Zuko calls them traitors or something, it's like, well Zuko, do you really think they had a choice? I don't think that they did.
0: <laughs> no, that's a good point, they probably didn't. They didn't probably didn't have a choice to come with Zuko in the first place.
1: Right, right. They're just pawns. Poor Zuko's crew. I feel really bad for
0: them. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I've been feeling bad for them since like the beginning of this season. So I hope they end up happy-ish, I don't know.
1: I mean, they still are war criminals, so.
0: True. Yeah. I guess I don't feel that bad for them. But yeah, Zhao shows up to be super petty, and he also manages to figure out that Zuko is probably the blue spirit.
1: He sees the swords that Zuko was wielding in that episode, so he's like, it shows us a little flashback, even though that was only a couple episodes <laughs>
0: ago, but that's fine. It's, it's all good. You know, sometimes you need to remind you people. Yeah, and Zuko is also really bad at like hiding his guilt.
1: (laughs) They're antiques, he says.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know how to use these, definitely not. That is, in your opinion, what makes Zhao really determined to like get rid of Zuko, right?
1: Right, right. I think he was just gonna leave him to wallow in his own misery. But when he sees the swords, he takes it as a personal affront because this is the person who bested him and took the avatar away from him. So once again, all of Zhao's motivation lies in his ego and he can't have that. He can't have a 16-year-old thwarting his plans. So he decides to kill him.
0: Cool. (laughs) No, that is definitely not cool, but what is cool is that he does get the pirates to come back! Yes. Which I was very excited to see them again.
1: Yeah, they make a reappearance.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that they do, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Actually this might be a time to say on this podcast, so I had my birthday on September 14th, and Rach uh, got me a gift that, well, she got me several gifts, but they were all (laughs) pirate-themed. Yes. (laughs) And one of them included a necklace that had the uh, same inscriptions that were on the waterbending scroll. That was really cool, and I really like the waterbending scroll still. I think that's probably one of my top episodes of this season. Aw, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Rach. Oh, of course. Yeah, so he hires the pirates. Zuko is kind of... (laughs) He's... Sitting in his room in the dark. And Iroh is encouraging him to not do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think Iro is a little too easy on Zuko sometimes. I feel like sometimes Zuko needs more of a push. Like, no Zuko, you go on this walk with me, not... <laughs> Sulk in your room if you want to.
0: Going for a walk is a good thing, you know, if you can. It's good for your mental health. You should take Iro's advice, Zuko. Drink tea,
1: do yoga, and go for a walk. That is our advice to you,
0: Zuko. We're always giving Zuko advice. But I feel like, you know, it comes from a good place. So, yeah, we got the return of the blasting jelly, which you told me would come back. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's the blasting jelly. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, Although it wasn't cool for Zuko. In fact, it was very hot. <coughs> uh, anyway... Yeah, Suzuko, as we discussed, almost gets blown up. But he doesn't actually get blown up, as we find out later. You know what he probably did? Since he'd gotten so good at, like, jumping out of the ship and swimming away when he was being the blue spirit, that's probably what he did. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) I think
1: he probably, if he wasn't a firebender, I don't know that he would have survived that, because I think, like, you could see, like, a split second of him, like, realizing what was going on and, like firebending a little bit to get away from that explosion, so.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think you're probably right, thinking about it.
1: It was probably a really stupid way to try to kill a firebender, like,
0: (laughs) Yeah, but then again, Zhao did hire pirates, so... Right. Like, they're not all super smart. Many of them didn't get an education. Actually, that's a thing in Black Sails. One of the things that comes up is the fact that the captain of the ship, Captain Flint, He's much more educated than the rest of his crew, but uh, yeah, so pirates, you know, often not the most educated. That doesn't mean they're not smart in other ways, but...
1: Right. But you probably should have thought, he's a firebender, let's not use a fire method to (laughs) kill him.
0: Correct, correct. (laughs) We cut away, and it does kind of give us the idea that maybe Suko died, although we obviously know he didn't die.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: they then have a scene between Zhao and Iro. Mm-hmm. Iroh fakes Zhao out because he says that he will join Zhao's crew, basically.
1: Yeah, this is the first time you really get to see Iro be anything other than genuine. I feel like he's actually kind of manipulative in this. I mean, I guess he does sort of, like, use the whole people underestimating him to his advantage before, but this is a little bit different, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and I think that is kind of demonstrated in the fact that when I first watched it, at first I was like, oh no, Iroh, don't do that. Mm. Because I was genuinely kind of believing that he might for a second, because I'm not used to him being, like, Trixie. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, a few minutes later I was like, never mind, Iroh, I love you. (laughs) Because it turns out that there is a plan that he and Zuko have kind of put in place. Yes. Oh, one thing that we should mention is, uh, I agree with you in your notes that the teapot that Zhao uses is very cool.
1: Yeah, I was like, ooh, I've never noticed that before. It looks like a dragon. It's really awesome.
0: Yeah. I want one. Me too. I kind of, yeah, even though it's like a Fire Nation thing, I still kind of want one. (laughs) It's very neat. Maybe I could get like a blue version. (laughs) So yeah, it was a very cool teapot, but ultimately the scene reveals to us that Zuko has snuck on board the ship and he is infiltrating this ship which their plan is to go and attack the the uh, Northern Water Tribe.
1: Yeah, so basically what Iro and Zuko are trying to plan is that Zuko will just sneak in and get Aang for himself.
0: Yeah, which again, I think speaks to what we've talked about before about Zuko not really being a part of this idea of, like, the Fire Nation taking over everything. Because even though he probably, you know, he was indoctrinated to support that, but his goal right now is really just to capture Aang because he wants to go home. Right, exactly. It's not, like, to take over the Water Tribe or whatever. Yeah,
1: and Iroh's goal is just to help Zuko and whatever he needs, so... <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. They are kind of put into place on this ship, and we see that there is this giant fleet heading for the Northern Water Tribe. Yes, and that's how the
1: episode ends, actually. It's on a very ominous note. It zooms out, and you just see this fleet, and it's like, endless amounts of ships, so...
0: Yeah, it's gonna be rough. That's rough, buddy. The next two episodes are called The Siege, right, of the Northern Water Tribe or something. Mm -hmm. So, I guess that's what that will be about. But, we should play now the music- the rewind music. And go back to the actual Northern Water Tribe. So, we get to meet them in this episode, right? Heck yeah! So (laughs) cool! So we start out with our usual Sokka, Aang, and Katara on the back of Appa. They're kind of annoyed at each other, really. There's a really cute koala otter-type thing in the water, which I liked. I'm not one to complain. Which is not correct. No, Sokka, you are the one who complains the most. Seriously? Because, like, Katara complains, but usually it's about Sokka. And... Aang doesn't really (laughs) complain, so... He's just annoyed that they still haven't gotten to the Northern Water Tribe. I think Sokka says, like, can't Appa fly any higher. That's right. (laughs) Aang is like, Why don't we all get on your back and you can fly us to the North Pole? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Momo takes that literally.
1: (laughs) We'll see this again, that Aang gets really mad when people insult Appa, which I'm like, that is so relatable. Like, come at me all you want, but if you insult my pets... We're gonna
0: fight. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, that is so true. Even though, like, you know, I can occasionally think that my dog is being annoying. If anyone else says he's annoying, I'm just like, excuse me. He is perfect.
1: <laughs> totally,
0: 100%. Aang
1: is so relatable in that aspect. <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I felt bad for Appa this episode. Because what happens next is that, like, the Northern Woods tribe basically ambushed them. And poor Appa has to, like, navigate these... <laughs> ice blocks that are appearing out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, and then he ends up getting pretty much frozen. I wonder if that like brought back some trauma, like, oh my god, I'm going to get frozen in a block of ice again! Oh no!
0: Poor Appa! <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad for Appa, and I was telling Rage the Avatar Wiki actually had in the summary for this episode, it said uh, that the Northern Wards tribe welcomes the gang, and I was just like, Appa would disagree with that. I mean, he did get a huge platter of food later, so at least they made up for it a little bit. Yeah, they did, even though they were still scared of him when they gave it to him. They were. <laughs> but yeah, and it's kind of funny the way that it's framed, because they have this like sequence where they are on Appa and they have to like dodge out uh, the way of all this ice and stuff, and then they cut to Fire Nation stuff, and they cut back, and it's like, everything's fine, and we're going to the Northern War's tribe now. Yeah, I guess
1: they figured it out, whatever it was. Aang just like pointed to his head, was like, I'm the avatar. And they were like, oh, cool. (laughs) No beef with you.
0: (laughs) We're all good. (laughs) You could have realized that sooner. Considering they had a flying bison, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're not the (laughs) brightest. But yeah, we get taken to the Northern Water Tribe, which is so beautiful. I knew you would love it. (laughs) It's like, it's all blue, and that's my favorite color. And like the architecture and stuff. It reminded me of like a European smaller city. Like maybe I've been to Bruges and that kind of vibe because it has like the river going along the middle and then the bridges going across it and the houses on either side. And Bruges kind of has that as well. I think it is actually based on
1: Venice. I think that's where they took their inspiration. So
0: that makes sense. Yeah. It's Venice but in the North Pole. Yes, pretty cool. I like that. That's such a
1: cool concept.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I really like it too.
0: Yeah, it's gorgeous. I just was completely in love with it.
1: Just like Sokka was in love with something else. <laughs>
0: ah, nice, nice transition there. I like that. Yeah, he sees Yue, who we meet UA for the first time. Yay. Yay! I know she's a favorite of yours, so I was excited to meet her as well. And, yeah, Sokka is completely head over heels at first sight, pretty much. Yes. Which is <laughs> cute. I mean, who can blame him? She's beautiful. She is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. hmm
1: It's her birthday, actually, when they arrive.
0: That's right. Yeah, they arrive on her birthday. So they're, they're both the same age, both attracted to each other. What could go wrong? So many things. So many things. <laughs> Yeah, I first wrote, um, how convenient for Saka that she's of marrying age, and then later on I wrote, as it turns out, not at all convenient for Saka that she's of marrying age. It's actually a problem. Very much so. <laughs> He's really, really cute with her. He completely fails at maximum aloofness with her.
1: Totally, like, Saka did not take his own advice whatsoever, but I'm glad that he did not take his
0: advice. <laughs> me too. Me too. And they're so cute when they are flirting.
1: It's very realistic, because it's pretty awkward.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. They don't really know what they're doing. And like we talked about with Anne and Katara before as well, it's it's nice to have kids that aren't just like, they already know what dating is and everything. Like the kids in um, Riverdale. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's like the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. They already seem to know everything. These these kids are very realistic. Yeah, so he sees her and then they get taken to a feast, right?
1: Yes. A big welcome feast with a lot of very nice-looking food and decor. That's pretty convenient that it was Yue's birthday, because I'm sure the feast was for her birthday and not
0: for them. <laughs> That's a good point, I didn't even think about that. Because if it wasn't for her birthday, they probably wouldn't have had the time to put on like a full feast. Right. They get introduced to a few people, including...
1: Master Poophead.
0: <laughs> yes, Master Poophead. Who is already not very sympathetic from like the moment we meet him.
1: Right, because he gets introduced to Aang through the chief, and he just seems like a disciplinarian, and he is not going to mesh well with Aang's personality again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's already kind of uh, just annoyed by Aang, even though Aang hasn't done anything yet, I feel like. Aang was
1: actually pretty respectful. Like, like Aang can be... You know, a typical 12-year-old where he's like loud and hyper, but he was being very respectful with Paku, so he had no reason to be a jerk to him. Yeah, yeah, totally. I guess we didn't really talk about, like, Yue at the table with Sokka.
0: Oh, I was going to talk about that next, yeah, yeah. Yue and Sokka have a really cute moment as well, where Sokka is attempting to flirt with her, and uh, he wants to do an activity with her.
1: I love that line so much. <laughs> and Yue seems to find it hilarious, too. Like, what is he talking about?
0: Do an activity at a place. That's, that's what we want.
1: Yeah, I like that Katara teases Sokka, too, because she can tell that he's, like, trying to flirt with this girl and is not being very good at it.
0: So. <laughs> that's her job as the younger sister. She has to, like, yes. tease him about that.
1: I just feel like this show nails the sibling dynamic so well. Like, Yeah. There are a lot of shows that don't get it right, but this one, it's absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and both of us are people who have siblings, so we understand this pretty well. <laughs> yes. And both of us have younger siblings too, so I think we can relate to Sokka. <laughs> Poor Sokka. Because, like,
1: when Katara was crushing on Jet, he didn't really, like make it a huge
0: thing. That's true. And even with Aang, like occasionally he makes some comments, but like nothing really major.
1: Right. She was really <laughs> going at him. She really <laughs> <That's> was. <so.
0: laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, they're really cute and we get to learn a little bit more about Yue in that scene as well. Mhm. Yeah, I like
1: that the first impression we get of her is that her people love her. Like you can just tell the way she enters the room and she talks about the spirits of the moon and the ocean. Like I just thought it was a really nice introduction to her character. Mm -hmm. You can tell that she loves her people and that they love her.
0: I didn't pick up on that as much. I might have to go back and watch again, but uh, I like that perspective of her. And again, who can blame Sokka for falling in love with her?
1: (laughs) She's very lovable.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Aang and Katara are super excited because they're going to learn waterbending together, right? Right,
1: they're so happy, they think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until we find out that Aku is the worst.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you were surprised by this, I'm glad you weren't spoiled by this.
0: Well, yeah, (laughs) I wasn't super spoiled, I had kind of, I think, heard sort of things around this but I wasn't spoiled about like what the exact thing was Mm. but I was just horrified by just how bad it was my comments I will not be able to read on this podcast because (laughs) they contain expletives but uh I was just very very angry about how backwards this guy thinks right about how women shouldn't be fighters they should be healers and they're not allowed to train in waterbending and I was like Excuse me?
1: Yeah, so this is like an example of quote-unquote traditionalism being very unprogressive and Paku needing like a nudge forward into the future. <laughs> he, I feel like he hides behind this excuse of wanting to preserve his culture when really he's just sexist. Like, I totally understand that the Northern Water Tribe is clinging desperately to their culture and wanting to preserve it because they know what happened to their sister tribe but like also there are some things you need to change
0: and adapt to (laughs) right right and you know it's in line with I think a lot of other cultures in real life too or you know religions that they sometimes have these beliefs that are, seem to be in place just because they're traditional. Right. And it's like, well, has nobody ever gone back and looked over these and been like, we need to update these.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Christianity, like, women not being able to preach in some denominations so right. it's like well that's not what the bible says but okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and then i mean i don't know about as much about this as you do but it just becomes the question of like well why are you doing this right is it just to preserve some tradition that you don't even know when it started or why it started um, and probably, honestly, started for sexist reasons, so... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it did also make me think about, um, because I've paralleled Katara to Jean Grey a lot mm-hmm. from the X-Men, and it made me think about her again because in the very beginning of the X-Men, so this is, like, we're talking late 60s, Jean was she was the only girl on the team. There were four guys in her. Mm. And whenever they showed her training, it was often doing things that were more, like, feminine and delicate. Like, uh, I think there's a comic where she uses her telekinesis to thread a needle or something like that. And then there's one that I put, actually, in our notes to show you that is this image of her... (laughs) She's peeling the apple with... Uh, a knife. Her mind. Yeah. And with her mind. (laughs) Which is cool. Right. But uh, it's definitely different to what her other team members were doing when they were training. Again, this is like the 60s. So it was quite a while ago. Well, not that long ago, but a decent amount of time ago. And nowadays, Jean, depending on the depiction, obviously, but usually she's allowed to use her powers in a much more, I don't even want to say masculine, because I don't feel like it is, but just, you know, for other things, other than things that would be deemed like domestic or feminine. Sure. And I feel like it's a similar thing with the women in the Northern Water Tribe, is that they are restricted just to healing, because that seems kind of like a more feminine thing.
1: Yeah, and like I said before, Katara wants to be a healer and she wants to do those things but don't reduce her to those things like you can be both (laughs) and that's perfectly fine
0: yeah like suki told us
1: yes we keep going back to that but it's just so true
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you know she's just discovered this healing power that she has and i'm sure she wants to learn how to develop that but at the same time she wants to learn how to fight too. Yep. Yeah. It's really, really frustrating. And to his credit, I think Aang is a good ally in this moment.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Because he is about ready to just walk off and not learn from Paku because Paku won't teach Katara. And I think that's what more men should aspire to be like. (laughs) I agree.
0: Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, but she does end up convincing him to take the training anyway. Yeah. Because she knows how important it is that he do it.
1: Yeah, I just, I love that they're always looking out for each other's best interest, even if that means, like, they have to make some sort of sacrifice. I just think that's really, really sweet.
0: Yeah, it is. It is really nice that they they have each other's backs, like Sawyer and Juliet in... Lost. Aww. (laughs) Yeah, so he does end up going... He, unsurprisingly, has a rough time. Yeah, because Paku is just beating up on him, basically. Yeah, which we already know doesn't work with Aang. Mm Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Katara is just like, okay, I guess I have to go and train to heal with the healing lady.
1: Yeah, that scene was like... I noticed so many layers of sadness this time around. Oh, really? Yeah, because she goes in and it's all, you know, little girls sitting around the table wanting to learn. And it's like, well, one, she's looking at the little girls and she knows that this is the only path they were given and they weren't really given a choice to do anything else. Also, it was sad because she potentially could have learned healing a lot sooner if she grew up with the resources that the Northern Water Tribe had. And then the last thing that made me sad <laughs> was like, even though these girls didn't have a choice in learning healing, at least they're surrounded by their friends and learning together, which was something that Katara never got to have. So I just, that scene made me upset.
0: (laughs) That's such a good insight, though, into all of the different things that Katara could potentially be feeling at that time. I really like that. Oh, thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to get into her mindset in that scene. Even though it's a pretty brief scene, I think it's, you know, they showed these little girls being so young for a reason.
0: Yeah, and you do see, like, there are little subtle things, like Katara kind of lingers with her gaze on these girls. And I think that's meant to show you that she is thinking about things. Because it can be, I think, harder in animation sometimes to really get people's thoughts through their expressions. Sure, sure. Because, just because animation is not as detailed as, like, an actual person's face, usually. So I think sometimes it can be hard to really read people's expressions in a way that you might be able to in like a live action movie, and um, I think they did a really good job with trying to show that even in that little moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: unless they're making it like super explicit, over the top facial (laughs) expression.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) But you're right. Like in the in the subtle moments, it's not as easy to get across.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, she does join the lesson, to her credit, she doesn't just like walk out or anything. Mm-hmm. And then she starts chatting to Yugoda and finds out that Yugoda recognizes her necklace.
1: Yeah, so this is where we get the backstory of what the necklace means.
0: It's a betrothal necklace. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Katara's like, wait, I'm not betrothed, not yet! <laughs> I'm not ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. I, like, just figured out I like a guy, so chill. Yeah, but it turns out that, oh, she knew that it was Kana's necklace. But what she didn't know was that Kana actually was betrothed to somebody from the Northern Water Tribe. Who carved it for her. Right. And then she kind of left.
1: Yeah, she peaced out. You can't see me, but I'm, like, grinning from ear to ear right now because Kana is just, like, goals here. She said, I'm not conforming to your sexist beliefs. Bye.
0: <laughs> Even though it's in the middle of a war. And right. <laughs> I have to go all the way across to the other side of the world. Legendary. <laughs> yeah, I think that that is awesome. What we find out later is that she is engaged Oh, sorry, she was engaged to Paku. Yes.
1: Which I mean, I would probably go all the way across the world too if Paku was my fiance, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's relatable. But you're right, she is epic for having done so.
1: I think earlier and in a previous episode, you were saying, like, where does Katara get this? sort of like spirited streak and I think it's directly from her grandmother.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it seems like she would relate. And she calls her later on, she talks about how brave she must have been Yeah. to to do that. Because I guess she went on her own.
1: Yeah, she had
0: to have, I guess. Wow. I know, she didn't have a flying bison. Good job, Kana. (laughs) So yeah, she finds that out. She doesn't find out that it's Paku yet. But we'll get there. In the meantime, I guess we want to go back to Sokka <laughs> flirting.
1: Sokka's attempts at flirting once more.
0: Yep, uh, so this is when he makes the bear slash fish. But you know, you have to admire him for trying. You know what it looked like to me? It looked like a Sour Patch Kid.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. It totally does.
0: <laughs> a wooden Sour Patch Kid. Either a Sour Patch Kid Or, like, a gingerbread man gone really wrong. You mean, like, the ones that we made? No, our
1: gingerbread men were cool. There were a little, a few that were kind of wonky, but, you know.
0: (laughs) For context, (laughs) actually, the first time we saw each other in person, I spent Christmas at her house. Or, it wasn't Christmas, it was, like, just after Christmas, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I decided, well, we decided to make gingerbread people, And we bought this kit that was meant to be, like, ninja gingerbread people or something. Yes. And we turned them into Star Wars characters. I have
1: a picture of this. I'm gonna tweet it.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Please do it.
0: Anyway. (laughs) I just, I felt our listeners needed to know that. Yes. (laughs) It's very important. Yeah, he makes this gift for her, and she seems to like it, sort of. But she's sending Sokka some mixed signals at this point.
1: Yeah, I think she's extremely confused as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we find out why later. But Sokka's just like, I don't know what's going on, because I think she likes me, but maybe she doesn't. I don't know.
1: I feel like she's just so drawn to him. Like, you know, I think that happens sometimes. You just meet somebody and you automatically click with them. And that's definitely their dynamic. But there's a layer here that we don't really know about that's kind of holding her back from... Being even friends with Sokka, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. We kind of leave off on a confusing note with them too, I guess. Mm -hmm. We go to Katara and Sokka and Aang, who are all like going to bed, basically. Yeah, they're all like really mad right now. (laughs) For different reasons. But yeah, they are not happy. Sokka is just confused. Katara is angry at Paku, understandably, and Aang is also angry at Paku on Katara's behalf. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then they get the idea for Aang to teach Katara what he learned the day before.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Which is super cute.
1: It is, and Aang's just like immediately, yeah, this is the best idea ever. (laughs) He starts to teach her the sinking and floating move, I think, that Paku was trying to teach him. And she picks it up pretty quickly, but then it looks like she does like this sort of miraculous water bending trick, <laughs> and Aang's mind is blown. He's like, "Whoa, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen!" But turns out it was Paku being Paku. I was gonna say something inappropriate, but I won't
0: <laughs> refrain. Yeah. Well, this was when I wrote another note with an expletive in it because. I was just like, Paku, what? Because I just. It's so annoying that not only does he not want Katara to learn, but he doesn't want to teach Aang either after he realizes that Aang has been teaching Katara.
1: Yeah. He says that he disrespected his culture.
0: It's like, shut up, Paku! <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Paku could be the subtitle of this episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he really just is ridiculous in this moment and then it gets worse from there (laughs) right because they have a council meeting
1: and Aang and Katara are kind of like pleading to the chief like please convince Paku that he needs to teach Aang again and he's like well maybe if you apologize then he'll take Aang back as his student and Katara's like Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, and she almost
1: does it, but then he calls her little girl. Right? So condescending.
0: Oh, I was so mad. (laughs) Were you as mad as Katara, though? (laughs) Probably not, because I am not a waterbender, sadly. But yeah, I did actually love that when she did get angry, she was cracking the ice, and I was like, oh yeah, just like the way she freed Aang from the iceberg when she was really angry too. Yes. I love that callback. Yeah, I love to see her anger manifesting itself, because we talked about this before, but it's rare that women are allowed to be angry, I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. in a lot of media. But yeah, and so she's just like, I'm not going to apologize to you, and also I'm going to fight you.
1: Yeah, and the council is pretty shocked by this. Like, this just made me think that they did cut, like, specifically to Yue, who, like, puts her hand over her mouth and is shocked. And I did think, like... That's probably the first time she's ever seen, like, a woman challenge their sexist beliefs. And she's, like, stuck in this, this sexist role as well, as we later find out. So, true. I think to her that was, like, amazing, honestly, that somebody is standing up to these people for once. Yeah. So, I like that. I like that Yue gets an example of that, and realizes, like, I don't have to conform to this, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I saw in your notes that you compared UA to Marjorie in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, I just, I think that they're both, like, very committed to their duty and to their family. I think that's what drives both of these characters, and they're also, like, really well-loved by their people. And Ua seems to be like willing to do anything as long as it benefits her family and her people, even if it's something that she doesn't necessarily agree with. I think that's a very Marjorie thing to do.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. When I read that, and then talking to you now as well, I think that's only cemented that belief. I think that's a really good parallel. I think you're right in terms of well we've talked a lot about what we think about marjorie and she definitely is motivated by her family and doing what's best for them and it seems like ua as well so
1: yeah i think ua is a little less pragmatic than marjorie but also i think that marjorie's family valued her learning politics where ua's family probably was like oh no that doesn't need to happen
0: <laughs> yeah and marjorie had Her grandmother is kind of an influence as well, Yeah, Mm -hmm. which Yue doesn't seem to have like a a female influence that could help her with that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Katara goes and fights the crusty old man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stealing that from Raich, you called him that.
1: Well, Katara calls him a sour old man, so not far off.
0: True, true, true. Yeah, what a great sequence that is.
1: Yeah, in the little section before that, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, how she's going to fight him, and Aang is like,
0: You don't have to do this for me. I can find another teacher.
1: And Katara's like,
0: I'm not doing it for you. Someone needs to slap some sense into
1: that guy. And I just love that, and I love that Aang's ego isn't like wounded at all by this concept. I just think that's fantastic.
0: That's great. That's a little moment that I didn't really register in that way. I liked how determined she was that she was going to prove her point, as you say. She just was so unrelenting in it. Again it's, I think, this idea of just her anger and it being put to good use, I think. Right, like righteous anger is what I
1: like to call it, Katara really has that. and. Yeah, we didn't think Paku could get any worse, but then he basically uses like the Northern Water Tribe equivalent of go back to the kitchen and make me a sandwich. So <sighs> I in that moment
0: <laughs> I really wanted to strangle him, like, oh I did write in one of my notes that I think Zhao and Paku are unknowingly competing for like the actual worst throughout this whole episode. <laughs> yes. And maybe Paku has the edge. At this particular moment, but they're basically in competition the whole time for just the actual worst. But the difference is that we've only known Paku for one episode, whereas Zhao, <laughs> we've known for a while.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, Paku just thinks he's better than everyone else. Like, he just really thinks he's doing the right thing. And it's like, dude, no. You couldn't be more
0: wrong. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so he fights Katara. Very cool. There's lots of kind of little things in this fight that I almost... It's hard to like pick out what stands out in the fight, because there's loads of really cool things, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. I did like that Katara refused to be knocked down. Yeah. And it just goes to show how dumb Paku's decision not to train her was in the first place, because even aside from, like, the sexism, which is awful, She's a really good waterbender, and so he's missing out on training a really good waterbender just because of some dumb tradition. Right, and that
1: stands for every woman in their tribe, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he has no
1: idea what these women are actually capable of.
0: Yeah, and that's something that happens, like, in real life with sexism, too, right? And, you know, not just sexism, but other forms of, like, marginalization. If you exclude people, then you never get to know all the talents that people have. Right. Because they never got an opportunity to actually go through the door. But yeah, do you you have anything you want to say about that fight scene? I
1: just love the ice disc move. Like, that's just one of my personal favorites. That was cool. Yeah. And there will be more scenes where... Katara's like about to behead someone and they're just like looking at the the water like holy crap what just happened (laughs) she almost killed me like I kind of feel like that was Paku's face like I almost just died
0: (laughs) and you deserved it we did warn you guys when we started this podcast (laughs) yeah that was a really cool move lots of really cool moves Unfortunately, she doesn't beat him, which I was hoping she would, even though, like, it's not that realistic, I guess, because he's a waterbending master. But I did want her
1: to, like, kick his butt. (laughs) I mean, she even said at the beginning, like, she knows she's not gonna
0: beat him, but she's just proving a lesson here, so. Yeah. She does end up being, like, caught up in those weird icicles-type things. And her necklace gets cut off. And that's when Paku realizes that oh this is the granddaughter of the lady who peaced out because she didn't want to marry me (laughs) and he actually said he was in love with her so he, yeah yeah and I guess maybe that's part of his like bigotry as well yeah I think so he's resentful of the fact that like the woman he was married or the woman he was supposed to marry just kind of left so basically Paku is an incel. <laughs> that explains so much about Paku. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I just wanna dunk on him as much as possible. Yeah, we have to get as much dunking in as possible before the end of the episode. And uh yeah, he's still kind of the worst. But he does decide to train Katara after that, I guess. And luckily, like I've told you
1: this, but he's not their teacher for very long and He does get a little bit of a kind of redemption arc sort of thing. I mean, I don't forgive him personally, but that's not my decision to make. That's Katara's decision.
0: True, true. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I was just a little bit confused about why he decided to train her, because if it's just because of the necklace thing, I don't really like that.
1: I don't think that's what it was. I think it was her, like, she pretty much berated him after that, right? She was like, well, my grand-grand decided to leave because of your stupid sexist traditions. Right. And I think that kind of knocked some sense into him, like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe you got a point. (laughs) I'm not going to admit that out loud, but...
0: (laughs) Right. But, like, what I want to know now is, is he going to train other women as well? I
1: think that potentially, but also at the same time, like, my thought is replace Paku with someone who actually has been valuing women this whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, retire. (laughs) For good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a good thing. I don't know, I guess I wanted him to have a bit more of like an obvious realization that what he did was wrong, but maybe that's also not realistic, because people who are so embedded in those beliefs, I think, often have a hard time letting those go. So
1: Yeah, and I think that it might be like an internal change that is completely in his mind. Like I said, he's not willing to say that out loud, but we do get to see like a little bit of him changing in the next couple of episodes, so.
0: Okay. Well, I guess I will probably still hate him, but.
1: I mean, that's totally fair. (laughs) I do too.
0: Well, we can leave Paku, I guess, for now, because I think that kind of wraps up this particular episode. Will we get a chance to dunk on him next episode as well? Heck yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. I'm glad. So when we're not done with dunking on Paku. <laughs> yeah.
1: And as much as I hate him, like the fact that Katara and Aang get to learn water bending together
0: just makes me happy. Yeah, that is cute. Yeah, and they started in the water bending scroll. Mhm. Again, those two episodes are kind of connected to each other. Yeah. We have one more scene to talk about, I think, before we wrap up this episode, which is Sokka's moment that he gets. So he goes to meet up with Yue, and I really love this scene because I loved how respectful Sokka was of her. Mm -hmm. And how he's the opposite of Paku in a sense. (laughs) He's not an incel, and he completely understands, like okay, if you don't want to be with me because I'm, he calls himself a peasant, he says that's, that's okay, I understand and I'm going to leave you alone, which is what you're supposed to do if somebody isn't interested in you. Yes, clap. <laughs> <laughs> Respect
1: women jukes. Saka's drinking it.
0: <laughs> he started in uh, the Warriors of Kyoshi and he's,
1: he's still going.
0: I'm so proud of him in
1: this moment, honestly. Me too. It's so good.
0: Because of this, I guess, he ends up getting his first kiss, which is so cute! Yes. Aww. I was just, like, looking at the screen with, like, little heart eyes, and I was just like, aww, so cute! Yeah. They're just really precious. I mean, I don't know that much about their relationship yet, so I feel like I don't, like, ship it, ship it, but I just think they're really cute.
1: So. Yeah, I just think it's a very... it's a great example of, like, your first love kind of thing, and, like... Like I said, just finding someone that you immediately connect with right off the bat. I think that's totally their dynamics. hmm Yeah. Yeah, but but then this is unfortunately when we find out the reason why Yue has been kind of hot and cold with Sokka is because she's engaged.
0: Nah. Mm-hmm. Boo <laughs> <laughs> Boo, yes, boo is a more appropriate reaction. <laughs> I liked Sokka's bit where he's like, "Okay, now I'm really confused." Happy, but confused. And so I guess it's kind of a parallel to Gramgram in a way, right? Because yeah. she's engaged to somebody she doesn't want to be engaged to. Oh man, so I wonder. <laughs> oh, I wonder what happened to their grandfather. If like, I guess Gramgram probably met him later when she actually went to the Southern Watertrack. But
1: yeah, I have a theory about him, and it's really sad. But.
0: Aww. We'll probably
1: get to that in a later episode. So. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of parallels in a similar way. And she doesn't really know what to do because she likes soccer, but she can't really be with soccer because she's engaged. So I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, so I think that's everything for this episode. Yeah. Should we go on to our MVP?
1: All oh, right. Do you want to go first?
0: Yes, I can if I can think who is my MVP. Oh, no, I know who my MVP is.
1: I was about to say. (laughs) I think this one is pretty easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I was just like, oh, I need to think about this. No, I don't. It is obviously Katara. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, she's a total badass in this episode. She stands out for herself. She will not let Paku send her back to the Healing Huts. And... She shows him that she's awesome.
1: Heck yes. Can we do, like, um... What, it, what was the thing you called Momo? Like, the anti-MVP? It's Paku! <laughs> it would be the LVP, right? The least-valued player? Yes. LVP. Paku. 100%. Get out of here. I will make a special graphic. <laughs> no, don't. Don't even give Paku
0: the time of day. He doesn't deserve it. He, he does not deserve <laughs> An MVP graphic. Yeah, uh, he is definitely the LVP, and Katara comes out on top in this episode. We love her. But there are also some very cool people who are introduced in this episode, like Yue. She's very cool. Mm -hmm. Maybe she'll get MVP in a future episode.
1: I can see that happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then most memorable moment?
1: I mean, it has to be the fight with Katara
0: and Paku for me. Yeah... I just love that. And
1: the way it's choreographed is so well done.
0: Yeah, that's a very good one. Runner up, I would say, are just anytime Sokka is flirting with you. <laughs> Runner
1: up bear fish.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. And also we didn't talk about it, but I think it's not long after he gives her the bear fish. Oh no, it's it's actually it's when he's like trying to set up a date with her. Oh yeah. And then she says yes, and then he falls into the canal. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, sorry, and he's like, it's worth it. <laughs> I love you, Sokka, you're so cute. So good, yeah, so uh, I think that deserves most memorable moment as well. <laughs>
1: it's a runner-up. <laughs> yes. He's such a romantic at heart.
0: <laughs> he is, yeah, for all his talk of maximum aloofness, you are right, he's not following that advice at all. Alright, so where are we going next week then, Rage? I mean, we kind of have an idea where we're going next
1: week. Right, we're still in the Northern Water Tribe, and, I mean, you could probably tell from the cliffhanger we're going to be seeing sort of this siege coming to try and conquer the Northern Water Tribe, so that's going to be a big hunk of the next episode. But we will get some really cute, like, sweet moments with the, Yue and Sokka and Katara showing off her waterbending skills.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah,
1: being like, okay, you were so wrong, Paku. You don't even know how wrong that you are.
0: <laughs> you suck, Paku. One last burn, of su- Paku, in this episode. You're just the worst. Yes. <laughs> and I'm guessing we'll do the two episodes, because they are like part one and part two, but we'll do them separately, right? Again, like we did last time
1: yeah yeah definitely there's so much to talk about for each one so cool cool uh all
0: right well speeding along then to the end of the season i know that's crazy (laughs) yeah so crazy we have a lot of fun stuff planned for the season one wrap-up episode yeah so we're just excited to share that with you guys including we might be doing some writing Mm, yes I've already started (laughs) I haven't started yet but uh, yeah Rach and I both really like to write which if you listen to our intro episode you know that because we talked about that but so we might be contributing in some way and you guys will see
1: alright so we have a twitter it is Ember Sayers, and we post graphics of our MVP and some fun memes and some stuff from the episode so
0: please feel free to check us out there Look out for a picture of gingerbread men (laughs) (laughs) this week. And we also have an email. Our email is emberislandsayers at gmail.com. You can send us any comments, questions, suggestions you might have. And, you know, our upcoming season one finale episode is a good episode where we might be able to read out some emails. Yeah,
1: we are on many platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a review and a rating, five stars preferably, that would be awesome. And with that, I will tell everybody, stay flaming, <laughs>
0: Stay flaming, everybody!